0: Thanks, Wayne. Good morning. I want um, to first say um, thanks to every single one of you who have been willing to do this thing that you've probably been like some of you might be thinking. Oh, I'm getting a little bugged with this, but uh, this thing of uh, moving up and in and to the south, I, I, I. I often will come in a little bit late to each service. And, you know, it, 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 it just means so much to me when I, when I can see for the people who come in late, and many times it's, it's guests, and to be able to see that there's room for them. And so, man, you, you know, you being, you being willing to move in and up and, and, and over this direction, that's just an act of love. It really is. Uh, it, it is it's just saying I, I, I truly care. You know, and kind of putting yourself in that place where you might have been one day, coming into a, a church worship service for the first time and, and uh, wanting to know, is there, is there a spot for me? So I'm going to throw out another one here for you. Um, what? Again, we know we're going to be going to a third service at, at some point, not too distant future, but for the sake of staff and all the effort and everything that goes with it, uh, we're trying to prolong that as, as long as we possibly can. And so we do have more room at first service than we do at this service. In fact, uh, um, more. And it's going to be less more all the time, but it is more. Um, but if, I'm just going to throw this out, if you're able and you're willing, and I, only, I sincerely say that, if you're able and willing, it would be great if we could get about 100 people to switch the 9 o'clock service who go to this hour. Um, and uh, that would just be awesome uh, if you could do it. And we're actually going to put a little deal in the bulletin next week and give you the opportunity to, um, to uh, say, you know what, um, I can do that. And um, um, so, great. So I have this couple up here with me, Marcus and Jessica Tippery, and uh, they're up here for a reason this morning. I, I got a great email from them. Um, last, not this, this past week, but the week before after I did the sermon on contentment and generosity, and they, uh, just was so much fun to read um, them confirming what I talked about in that sermon. So we're going to unpack that for you. But I met Marcus and, and uh, Jessica uh, two years ago in membership class. You two were in that class. And then last, last what was the date last summer when I did your wedding? June 24th. Just check it. Make sure you remember it. Okay. And uh, so anyway, I uh, I I've gotten to know this couple quite well. And uh, but in and you two are in the membership class, and you know you go through the membership class, and you filled out this form afterwards. And and uh, as I as I read what they wrote, and one of the things that you write is you write out uh, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ, your own personal spiritual journey. Because one of the things that's very important for us as a church is we want to make sure that everybody who comes here understands, you know, the wonderful good news of God's grace through Christ and how we can have God's forgiveness and eternal life. And as I read what you two wrote, I, 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 I kind of wondered to myself, you know, maybe they don't quite understand yet. And so, uh, thought about that, and um, and and so I invited them to to. to have a little meeting with me in my office. And, um, and my office is not a scary place. It's, it's not scary, right? No. And, and, but the, the other thing that I noticed there was a second thing that I noticed in the little form that Marcus and Jessica filled out, and that is that they had the same address. And so I kind of thought, oh, you know, same address might mean something else too. Uh, so I thought we probably should talk about that also um if they wanted to become members of Brookside And so you two came in and we just had a great time talking and, and and I began by talking with you two about Jesus Christ, his love for you and he died for you and at the end of that time what what, what did what did you two do? We accepted Christ. Yeah, they prayed right there. yeah yeah So that's absolutely awesome and um, they'd shared that once with you before Um, and so then we talked about that so we had about we had a little we had some good time in the office Uh, it wasn't like a 15 minute time that we had so so i said now there's the second thing we should probably talk about too and i said to you guys you know i know you got the same address and i'm am I right to assume that that might mean more than just same address and um (laughs) And they said, yeah, it does. And so we, we talked about that and talked about the importance of, as followers of Christ for sexual purity in our lives. And these two wonderful people made a commitment that day, right? First of all, a commitment to God and then a commitment to me, since I was gonna be doing their wedding, is to sexual purity, which I think is absolutely wonderful. Okay? Yeah, praise God for that. Okay. All right. So then one of the things that we talked about was, you know, you had put your wedding off quite a uh, ways. And why? What was what was the problem? Why did you have to put your wedding off into the distance so far, you thought?
1: Um, we just felt like financially we just weren't
0: ready. Just didn't have the money right. to do it. And so then we, I talked to them about it. I said, well, you know what? I said I totally understand the whole thing, and I said, "Boy, boy, it should be a lot easier for you if you could move the wedding up, right?" I mean, Beck and I—I remember that. Beck and I moved our wedding up six months. So, okay. So anyway, any so so you know, and 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 um, so I said to this tea, to I said, "How about trusting God and giving God the first ten percent of everything you earn?" Okay, so you heard me, and then, Jessica, what did you do? You didn't didn't quite believe me, did you? So she, Um, yeah. I was a little
1: skeptical, so I went to my life group, girls, and uh, just discussed my concerns with them about trying to pay for the wedding and giving all of our money um, to the wedding and how are we supposed to give 10% to God, and they just encouraged us to give a little bit at a time until we felt comfortable, and we just... I kind decided
0: we'd go all in. So. Just decided to go full 10%. Right. And what's the end result? You were right. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you say that. Yeah, you were right. I like that. Okay, and, and so, yeah, not only that, but then you, you know, moved your wedding up and great time together. And, and now you even have enough money that you've saved for a down payment mm-hmm. on a house. Is that cool? Now, that's all in. Not a very long time. So God has been faithful. Yeah. Okay, we just want to share that with you. And I've asked um, Jessica and Marcus if they would uh, read our scripture for this morning. And that's John chapter 17. And if you've all followed this little book that we handed out last Sunday, you probably have read John chapter 17 all week. And that's a passage I'm going to preach from this morning. It's our Lord's Prayer. And um, they're going to read the scripture for us. So you can follow along. And uh, that in your Bible up on the screen.
2: After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began.
1: Glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that Scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world. So that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is true. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be
2: Love them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be one with me where I am and to see my my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me... May be in them, and that I myself may be in them.
0: Great. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Love you both. Yeah. Thanks. It's prayer. It's the longest of our Lord's prayer that's uh, given to us in Scripture. Far more significant than the length of this prayer. It's the level of insight it gives us into the heart of Jesus Christ, what it is that matters the most to him. So let me ask you, anyone here ever had the opportunity to be with someone uh, where you've been able to have a conversation with that person the the last days or even the last hours of their life? Any, anybody ever ever done that, you know, someone that is dying, and, and you're able to be with them, and you're able to ha- have conversation with them. Yeah, several of us. Whenever that happens, you often find that what they talk about is what, what's most important to them. Someone comes down to the final days and hours of their life, and they're, they're stripped bare of everything except what they're made of. It's then that what's truly in their heart comes out. One of my regrets is missing that opportunity with my mom. We were not able to make it from Chicago, Minnesota in time. And, and uh, I, from talking with family members, with my dad and my brothers and my sister, uh, I, one of the things I learned about that time is some of the things that my mother talked to the family about. And she just said some very very, very sweet things. For my mom, her, what mattered the most, as you would probably guess, is the spiritual lives of her children. And not only the spiritual lives of her children, but her grandchildren. I mean, they, they each one of them were born, that that just became uppermost in her mind. And so what my mom did that the family told me about before she died, and it was just really just a few hours before she died, and she was in the hospital, and and she had all the grandchildren come around her bed up close to where she was. And, and she had this conversation with them. And she talked to them about how much she loved them and how much she cared about what was happening in their spiritual life. And she talked to them about God's love for them through Jesus Christ and, and her hope that, that, that they each one of them would trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And her, she talked to them about her hope that someday she could see each one of them in heaven. It, was, it was a very, very precious time, and one I certainly wish i I could have been there. I mention this because Jesus praised this prayer in John seventeen the night before he died, and he he prays it knowing that he 's coming down to his final hours of, of life on this earth, just like my mom knew and 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 so what what we discover is in this prayer is this is the time that what matters most to Jesus Christ comes out, comes out. And what we find, and I think it's truly amazing, is that what matters most to Jesus Christ is his heavenly father and, and us, you and, and you and me. Now I'm sure if, if uh, you've been reading John 17 this last week and you've followed along as as Jessica and Marcus read it, there's, there's a lot in this chapter. I mean, you, we, I could do a series of sermons out of John chapter 17. There are just so many different points that Jesus Christ uh, touched on. But the more I dug into this chapter, the more I read it and reread it, and, you know, as I'm preparing this sermon, the, the more convinced I, I became that there's, there was, there's one thing that rises to the top. Of everything else that he... He talks about and prays about in this in his prayer to his father, and it's this one thing that I'd like to focus on today, and to help us so that you and I can walk out of this place with this clearly in our minds. To help us remember this, I just want to—I'd I'd like to say it up front, and, and then we'll we'll un, we'll we'll look at it. And so here's what this prayer does for us. All right, it 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 reveals to us the full extent. Of the love that Jesus Christ has for his father. The full extent of his love for his heavenly father. And then along with that, this prayer also reveals to us the the full extent of his love for each one of us. His love for you and his his love for me. Now, I think, I believe that once you and I understand this, okay? Okay. Once we understand the full extent of of our Lord's love for his father. And once we understand the full extent of his love for each one of us. His love for you. His love for me. Once we understand that it just changes everything in our life. I mean it just does. It changes everything. So let's, let's see what what this means okay so first of all the full extent of Christ's love for his father and so if you got your bible John John chapter 17 John begins with with this he said he writes after Jesus said this This is all of what Jesus said in chapters 13 and and 14 and 15 and and 16, beginning with what Jeff talked about last Sunday, all the way back in chapter 13, the the thing of servanthood. Remember remember the three-word statement that Jeff kept putting in front of us last Sunday? Anybody? You before, huh? Can't hear you. You before me, right? You before me. What I discovered when I got into this 17th chapter in this prayer is that, really, that, that, that statement, that attitude is just woven throughout Christ's prayer. You before me, you before me. Again, look at this, verse 1. And so John writes, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, and, and he said, Father, the time, the time has come. So the question to ask ourselves is he well the time has come for what 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 is Jesus talking about when he said when he said the time is come and here again it's why, where it's so valuable for us to to read any part of scripture to read it in its context All the context being able to go all the way back, actually going all the way back to chapter 13 because it's in the answer to that question is found in in chapter 13 and here's what John wrote in the first verse of, Of chapter 13, he said, it was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time, the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So what Jesus is saying is that God, Father, he's saying, the time's come. The time's come for me to, to leave this earth and to, and to go back to you. It's time. time's come for me to, to go to be with you in heaven again. I mean, this was like a huge statement that Jesus Christ was making. I mean, you know, I got to tell you, everybody, as, as, as much as it's going to mean for each one of us someday to step from this earth into heaven, I mean, that's going to be absolutely incredible. But I'm gonna, I got to tell you, it doesn't even come close to what it meant for Jesus Christ when he did that. And the reason is shown to us in, in what Jesus Christ prayed. And so he prayed, Father, Father, the, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Jesus is asking to be He's praying to his father and he's saying, Father, I'm I'm asking you to restore to me the glory that was mine before I came to this earth. I mean, this is glory, everybody. The glory that he's asking to have restored to him is the glory that he laid aside when he he left heaven and he came to this earth. It's it's the glory that belongs to God himself. It's, it's, It's God's glory that Jesus Christ is asking to be restored to him. I mean, this is glory at its ultimate. This is glory that's eternal. This is glory that's infinite. But you don't, don't miss the reason why Jesus Christ made this request of his Father. Because look again at this statement. He, he, you see, the, the thing about it is that it wasn't for himself that he was making this prayer. I mean, I, I love this. He, he came to earth for us. And he returns to heaven for God. To do what? what? What did Jesus pray? He said, "He said, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Again, connecting scripture with scripture. You know, we, we just did, recently did a, a series in, in the book of Philippians. And, and I think some of the most famous uh, verses in Philippians are found in the second chapter where where it talks about this very thing it's like it's like uh, these these seven verses are are like fast forwarding they're 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 Paul writing down the answer to the prayer that Jesus Christ prayed in John chapter seventeen, I think you remember this said, where where Paul wrote this, he said, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That that part of that statement is the glory that Jesus Christ gave up, the glory that he put aside during his time that he came here to this earth. And then there's the answer to his prayer. Where Paul went on, he said, therefore... God exalted him to the highest place. See, that's what Christ was praying for. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and and every tongue, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord. I mean, that's glory. I mean, that's everybody. Going to bow the knee before Jesus Christ someday. Now, why Why did he want that? Why did he pray for that? It's, it's given here, right here. It, it, it isn't to bring glory to himself. He's not saying, I want that so that everybody will bring glory to me. No, Look look at what it says here. It says, to the glory of God the Father. I love this. I just love this. You know, it's... In our Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17 and all the way into eternity, what Jeff pointed us to last Sunday is how Jesus sees his relationship with his heavenly Father. It's like, it's like he's praying, Father, you before me, you before me. boy! Huh. Well, I want to be like Jesus. And you? I want to be like Jesus. Here's how you and I can do what Jesus did in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with God. Here's what I'd say you could do it at the beginning of every day. In fact, I'd say it's a conversation that you could repeat. You could, you could have this conversation many times throughout the day where you'd, you'd wake up in the morning and you would say, God, this is your day. Oh God, everything in me, I just want to... I want to love you, God. I want to serve you. And so, God, I want to bring glory to you. And so, God, give me the strength, give me the power to do it. You can pray that prayer. And you can do it. And you know what? I mean, I could stop right there and just get on my knees and start praying, you know. But then there's us. The prayer, of Jesus. Prayed also shows the full extent of Christ's love for you and me. And, and, and no doubt about it, we, we read this 17th chapter, and the love of Jesus Christ for each one of us is just written all over the place. I mean, you just find it everywhere in every sentence and almost every word. But I think the key expression of his love for you and his love for me is. What he said in verse 19. This is an amazing statement. He said. He said for them. For them. And them is you. And them is me. That's each one of us. For them he said. I sanctify myself. That they too may be truly sanctified. That's an An astonishing declaration of Christ's love for each one of us. And for us to understand how astonishing it really is, what what we've got to understand is, well, what does that word sanctify mean? What what does it mean when he said, I I sanctify myself? So let me ask you, what's what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word sanctify? Is there one word that kind of jumps out that that points to? Anybody? Huh? Purified, yeah. Holy. Anybody think of that word, holy? So often we think of the word as sanctified and talking about this, this on-growing spiritual growth in our lives where we, we become more righteous, we become more holy, we become more like Jesus Christ. We get nearer and nearer to the perfection that, that someday will ultimately be ours when we step into eternity. But that's not what Jesus Christ meant here when he used that word. Because what was Jesus Christ his whole life? He was holy. He was righteous. He never sinned. He was absolutely perfect. And you don't get any better than perfect. And so that isn't, ex- that isn't what Jesus Christ meant here. What, and, and, and so the answer to help us understand what he meant is in another definition of that word sanctify. And it, it, it's sanctify also means to, to be set apart. Uh, to separate. To be separate. Okay? And what it does is it points to the idea of being completely committed to something. For for example, if you uh, you, you have an athlete uh, who wants to win a gold medal, all right? And what does she do? She she sanctifies herself. She sets herself apart from things that could distract her from, from winning that gold medal to be the kind of athlete that she wants to be. I mean, it could be something like food. You, food that she would normally eat, she doesn't eat. Or certain activities that she would normally do, she doesn't do. You know? And it's not that there's anything wrong with the food or wrong with those activities, but, but those things at that period of time would preempt her desire to ultimately be an athlete who wins wins. A gold medal. See, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. He did that. He set himself apart. He completely committed himself to doing what it takes for you and I to be sanctified. He he, he didn't allow anything to distract him from this. I mean, this is a big deal. Jesus Christ is saying he. He completely set himself apart to make us holy. It's why he came to this earth. It's why he lived on this earth. It's what he he died for. It was his mission. And he completely gave himself to it. Boy, that makes me love him. Yeah. And if Jesus Christ did this for me, everything in me... Everything in me wants to understand what it means for me to be sanctified. What it means to be for me to to be holy. I see. I, I don't want to miss any of this. I don't want to miss any of it. Are you with me on that? Did you know? Do you feeling what I'm feeling? Like, wow. Way back in eternity, Steve. My, my Lord Jesus had me in his mind. And He, he it was like he was saying to God, God, I sanctify myself so that, Jesus, so that Steve Maltemeyer someday can be sanctified. And so I hear that and I go, man, I want to make sure I don't miss any part of what it means to be sanctified. I think it means at least three things. It means to be wholly committed to God, like Jesus. It means to be wholly focused on God. And it means to be wholly renovated by God. Let's look at each one. First of all, to be wholly committed to God. It's it's to be what Jesus was in his relationship with God. It's it's separating yourself from anything that could possibly keep you from what God calls you to be and God calls you to do. I I thought of a a great example of this from the Old Testament. Somebody who did this. If you're familiar with the story in the Old Testament, God delivered the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, and he had Moses as their leader, and, and, they, and, they, and God was taking them to the promised land, and they got up to right to the boundary. They were about ready to enter into the land. It was all going to happen. God's promise was going to be fulfilled. And so God said to Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to send 12 spies into the land to see what, to see what you're up against. And so the spies went in, and 10 of those spies came back, and they said, no way. <laughs> no way. I mean the, the people living in there, they're like giants and the cities are fortified and they're strong. There's absolutely no way that we're gonna be we're gonna be able to do this. No way. And and but there were two guys joshua and caleb they were like the minority report and they came back and they said they said you know what god told us that we're to do this and god's all powerful so we can do it let's just go in let's get it done let's get it done and and the people of israel unfortunately didn't listen to the minority report they listened to the 10 guys and they just lost it they just went berserk they just they like they just fell apart and they said Moses why did you drag, you know you brought us out of Egypt man this is like this is all bad and and they just I mean they just they refused to go in and so God called a meeting you like a come to Jesus meeting yeah and God said to the people of Israel, to the whole nation, he said, all right, you don't want to go into the promised land. You don't want to do what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to let, you're, going to, you're going to spend the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness and you're going to die in the wilderness and you're never going to enter into the wilderness, but your children will. And God said with two exceptions, Joshua and Caleb. God said, they're going to they're spend 40 years with you, but they're going to survive, and they're going to go into the promised land, and they're going to inherit what I, what I promised. And, but here's, here's what got my attention. It's what God said about Caleb, and I think it helps us understand what it means to be holy. God said this. He said, there's a different, ser- uh, there's a different spirit in my servant Caleb, and here's, here's it. He follows me whole heartedly that's what it means to be holy so here's what i think you and i should do in our lives we should i i would suggest why don't you just be always asking yourself the question as you're coming up against certain challenges spiritual challenges in your life ask yourself am i going to be a caleb or am i not going to be a caleb Am I going to let this thing keep me from becoming what God wants me to be and do what God wants me to do? Am, am I going to allow it to keep me from that? Or am I going to be like Caleb and I'm going to say, God, you've got the power. You've got the power, God. I can do what you want me to do. Yeah? Well, i just tell you what, everybody. I think we're making, we, that's a choice we, we have the opportunity to make over and over and over again in our lives. So first of all, to be wholly committed to God. Second, to be wholly focused on God. And, and, and what I found is I found a verse in, in the ninth chapter of Luke's gospel that I think speaks to this whole thing. It, it, it describes Jesus Christ in the days leading to his crucifixion in, in, in Jerusalem. And here's, here's what Luke wrote. I, I love this. He said, as the time approached for him, for Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Another way to say this is that Jesus set his face like Flint to go to Jerusalem and died. He didn't take his eyes off what he came to earth to do. Back in my golfing days, those were the days, um, one of the reasons that I was not a good golfer. And ask anybody, any one of the guys who golfed with me, and they'll, they'll tell you very quickly, there were many reasons that Steve wasn't a good golfer. But one of the reasons that I, that I was not a good, a good golfer is that every time, every time, before I brought the club all the way through, guess what I did? I took my eyes off the tee. Okay? I took my face off T. You know why I did it? Because I wanted to see where the ball went. Do you know why I wanted to see where the ball went? Because almost always the ball went way too far to the left or way too far to the right. It didn't go on the fairway. It went off in the rough. So I want to make sure that I knew where the ball went. It was like I was in this vicious losing cycle with golf. I, you know, it's like I, I wanted to see where the ball went because I was sure I was going to hit it in the wrong spot. So I did the very thing that would guarantee that I would hit it in the wrong spot. Now, anybody here relate to that at all? Any? All right. Okay. Holiness. Okay, don't miss this everybody. Oh, it's so important. Holiness is fixing our face, keeping our eyes on the truth about God and the truth of God. Okay? Fixing our eyes on the truth, our minds, our hearts, on the truth, of, the truth of who God is, all that's true about God, and the truth of God that God has shown to us in his word. In fact, Jesus spoke to this in, in, this, in his prayer to his father. In verse 17, he's, he made this statement. This was his prayer. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I, um, I found this an example of this someone doing this and Voice of the Martyrs magazine. I don't know if anybody gets this. If you if you don't, I, I recommend it. It's about Christians in other parts of the world who who are suffering daily because of their faith. And anyway, there's a story about this about this man in Egypt. And he was he was he was he was like the Apostle Paul before Paul became a Christian. He was he was passionately opposed to Christianity and and so much so that 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 his leader, his mullah. um gave him an assignment. I love it. His assignment was to read the Bible so that he could write an argument to expose and defeat Christianity. i like, oh, that's cool. You know, we'll walk right into that one, you know. And so he did. And then I love what they write here. He said... But when he opened the pages of the Bible, he was stunned by the mercy and grace offered by Jesus Christ that's described for us in the Gospels. So I just love that. So he became a Christian. Huh? So guess what he did? He could not get enough of God's truth. He could not get enough of God's word. And so he, man, he just, he just, pour, he just poured over it. He just read it and read it. And of course, his family found out about it, found out about his commitment to Christ. And they, they actually put him in, a, in a, like a mental institution and put him through shock therapy to try to get it all out of his mind. But I tell you what, once it's in your mind and once it's in your heart, it doesn't go out. And I, I love this. Um, I love what he writes. He said, uh, he said, I was desperate to learn more about Jesus. That's focus, okay? That's focus. He said, so much so, he writes, I would go into the bathroom of our home and lock the door. And then I would take the scriptures and I would memorize them. And then I would eat what I had memorized. The scripture that I had memorized, those pages, I would eat them so that my family couldn't take them away from me. Yeah. And that's focus. Focus so i got to ask you, you know, when you look at this whole thing of God's truth, huh, how, how, how focused are you? How important is it to you that every single day you're spending time and, and you're getting to understand what, what God's truth is, the truth of, about God and the truth of God? I mean, is, is it something that is so, so important where you're so focused that you're making time for it each day? And then the last one. Is to be wholly renovated by God and here's where we get into our character to transformation and and what we discover in Christ's prayer is that the very core of what God calls us to be is is the love that you and I are to have for, his, for each other and and in his prayer Jesus speaks of this love in terms of our unity together and so verse 20 he said my prayer is not for them alone and he's them as the disciples, he and then he's, he begins praying for us, and he said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He, he said, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, and then he said, I brought them I and them, and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me, that they may know that you sent me. You know, we know that the world doesn't want to believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, we know that, right? And the reason is that it's it's because of what Jesus Christ expects for anybody who's going to believe in him. It's that we totally surrender our lives to him. Every every part of our life, every day of our life. And that's a big ask. That's a big thing for Jesus Christ to expect. I mean, if, if I came to you and I said, you know what? I want you to serve me the rest of your life. I mean, you wouldn't say, well, man, let's kick that idea around for a while. Right? If anybody did that with you, you you would get away from that person as far as you possibly could. Or if you believed they were right and that you should serve them, you would fall down before them and you would say, Lord, Lord, you're my Lord, I'll serve you, absolutely. You see, you can't be neutral about Jesus Christ. And in our world, there's this bias against Jesus Christ. There's so many people, and I can understand why, who are saying, why should I believe that Jesus Christ came from God the Father and what Jesus Christ is telling us here? He's saying, I can create such love between you, between each, of, each one of you as my followers, he said, that it'll, it'll just knock flat any bias against me. It'll, it can convince people that I really did come from the Father, that I really am the Son of God. And we go, well, oh my, really? I mean... How can our love become that visible that it, that it could convince people that what Jesus Christ said about himself is true? I mean, how can that happen? And it's this way. It's by us having a love for each other that's costly. <coughs> a costly love where we're willing to sacrifice for each other. We're willing to give of ourselves for each other. It's, it's where we're, we're doing the very thing Jeff talked about last week. You before me. And also... That you and I have a love that's impartial. You see, the way it is in our world is that, what kind of like the, 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 you know, it's like, love people who are lovely, love people who are lovable, love people who are loving, but boy, you know, you don't have to love people who aren't that way. You know, or love people who are like you, like birds of a feather flock together, kind of a deal, you know? The love that Jesus Christ would create in us is the kind of love that that we just love everybody. Just Man, no matter how different somebody might be from us or how, you know, how hard it is maybe just to like the person who says, we'll love them. And then there's forgiveness. We're willing to forgive. You know, I, there's a statement that Jesus Christ made that any time we, we say to ourself, you know, I don't know if I can love that person, I don't know if I can forgive that person, I don't know if I'm willing to give up this much of myself for that person you you know what here's a here I mean this is why verse this verse is probably a good verse to memorize because look at what Jesus said don't miss this everybody he said may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and then look at this last statement and have loved them even as you have loved me I mean, do you, do you see what God, do you see what Jesus is saying there? He's saying that God the Father loves you. God the Father loves me in the same way that he loves his son. I mean, wow. I mean, is that awesome or what? Eternal God he has this eternal love for his son, and he's got that same love for you, and he's got that same love for me. You know what, you know what strikes me about that? It's like father like son. Like father, like son. What matters most to God the Father is his son. And what matters most to God the Father is you and me. And God sending his son to this earth to die for us. What we're going to remember in a few minutes in communion. What that does is it reveals to us the full extent of God's love for us. And and God, God answering his son's prayer and exalting him to the highest place reveals the full extent of his love for his son. Wow. You know what? That just makes me want to just love my Lord. Wow. Just love him. So we're going to we're going to take communion now and we're going to and it's I want you to know that what we're doing here is for everybody who Believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, has trusted in Him, and um, just remember, as uh, and my host, if you would begin distributing, and just remember that's you. You just reach down and take two cups, and one's got the 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 uh, bread in it, and and, um, and the juice. <laughs> okay, so if you do that, and then I'll come back up. All right, all right.